0: Hey, Father, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. So, what story are we doing today? A new book, First Kings. Amazing. Okay, great. Yeah, call back later. <laughs> you guys, this week we're talking all about Solomon's reign, baby. Welcome to another episode of Bible stories with me, Brianda. And, of course, joining me behind the wheel is the one, the only, the Spanish vixen, La Clara NYC. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I am so pumped for this episode. Every episode we talk about our looks at the top. Let's just get right to it, especially That's for so. the people who don't like the intros. Oh, we don't like you. Just kidding. We love you. Ugh. Anyways, listen. Clara looks so amazing right now. Stop she it. looks like okay. So if you don't look like a grunge, you don't. You look. You look like um. Okay, you could. You're too pretty to be grunge princess. So I'm just being honest with you. Sorry, I live in I live in Brooklyn, and mm-hmm. I lived in K Town, Bushwick for way too long. You're too pretty to be grunge, but you definitely could be like a grunge girl's like home girl. Like you're going to the grunge concert. You feel me? Like someone who's trying. No. <laughs> Hell no. You wouldn't be let in, girl. Oh, no. We sniffed that out, honey. You are too cute. No, I don't think so. But, like, we're serving similar vibes. I know. It's we crazy. We both got the boots on. By the way, without telling each other a thing, I just think we're right here. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in sync like our period cycles. <laughs> we're here. I don't know. For those of you guys who are not watching the YouTube, apparently the theme is, like, UK... Yeah, rockish. They can't see your skirt. She has a leather skirt on right now. Yeah, you they guys can't, can't see, see your it. boots
1: either. Ah! Ah! There you go. Now,
0: hello, dockies. Oh, can you now hear? No. Oh, my popola. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can we censor my popola? <laughs> Anyways, guys, welcome to another episode. I was referencing, I have a, a new hairstyle this week, uh, courtesy of Miss Louisa Popovich with her hair brand. Freaky Beautiful at Freaky Beautiful on all things TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. She's incredible. She's a trendsetter. She's a taste maker. She's amazing. I w- basically want to suck all the clout that she has. She's gonna, she, first of all, she's gonna make it before me 100%. Like, she's so freaking dope, guys. If you think that this is cool, she, this is not even, this is not even script the surface of like wigs that she has. I love this style right? I love Louisa, it. Louisa, this is Louisa Popovich. She has trained with the best. She's worked with the best artists. She's so dope. I, I feel honored to have this unit. And also it's the first time I like, I like melted my lace front. Like, All right. you want to know something? You want to know something? I feel like we're on a three week streak of me like boasting about ourselves, but I feel like we should do it. Cause if I'm manic right now, I want to ride it. Okay. <laughs> if there's one thing about you and me is we won't stop until we get something right. Mm-hmm. I say this also because it takes you an hour to set up. <laughs> Censor that F-bomb. It takes Clara so long to set up, but only because she's, I've never met someone as manic as I am. Like, that's how I am with like hair, makeup, whatever. If something is not done exactly right, I'm like, no, we're going to keep doing it. I won't. Anyways, mm-hmm. so I melted my lace front and uh, Clara is my, th- my lover. She's my work wife. Hmm. I was just saying you guys, hi, Tangy, not hi, Tangy. I would love to date a man with similar qualities to you, but the fact that you're an atheist, like you are so, um, gentle with your, uh, criticisms and you're so thoughtful and hardworking and literally every single, I could go down the list and I'm like, dude, if you were a freaking dude, that would be it. And you've got to believe in God. That's a major one. That's I gotta a big be, one. Yeah, I should be.
1: I, w- I would have to be Christian. for You, you would
0: have to yeah. be. Yeah. You, yes, yes. But I, you I know, appreciate it, though. You know what I was thinking? And I know my Christian brothers and sisters are going to be like, hold strong, sister, hold strong. What? Because at the end of the day, the reason why I say Christian is because I want to know and be sure that our father they chose him for me. I don't want to pick the best guy that I want. The best guy I want doesn't wear underwear. He's a rock star from Brooklyn. That's what Brianda wants. That's what turns me on. <laughs> but I know that that man is not going to church. Is not he's, no Bible, he's not reading his Bible. He's no good. Unless you're a Christian in a rock band, like a death metal band. I would love that. That'd be dope, and you're a Christian. But anyways, what I'm saying is it's about what the Lord wants for me, not what I want for myself. I understand. So, like, but lately, I know when I haven't been praying, I go, well, maybe if he's spiritual, well, maybe... <laughs> You guys, dating in New York Mm -hmm. is so hard, being a celibate
1: Christian girl. But that's, I feel like that's something that most girls or men probably do too. When you're like, wanna be in a relationship for too long and you can't find someone, you're like, should I lower my standards a little bit? But guess what? You should not. Because it's a recipe for failure, really if you lower your standards, so.
0: Okay, you're yeah. right. stay strong. So I was thinking like, maybe it's not, no, again, I'm not, I'm not budging. I'm just entertaining the idea because this is a podcast and what we do, we have conversations. Maybe it's not lowering my standards. Maybe it's expanding. No, it's no? lowering. Okay, it. it's, not expand- <laughs> <laughs> it's not expanding, honey. Thank you for calling me out on that. <laughs> okay, you're right. No, I, I okay. Yes. Uh, yeah.
1: You know, expanding, I would mm-hmm. say if you would Consider dating someone in another religion where you both have like oh. a faith, you just believe in different things, that would be expanding. But someone that is non-religious, just like a little spiritual, nah. Because we t- we talk mm-hmm. about this. It's, you need to have some, some uh, pilers in the relationship that you head towards the same direction. It's like you being super fit and all about the fitness life and the gym life and healthy lifestyle and dating someone that... Oh, he doesn't care. All he wants to eat is fries and, and fried chicken and, oh, never work out. Like, it's not
0: going to last. You guys don't have the same. Now that you've said that, piggybacking off of what you just said, there is this fine, <laughs> capital fine. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> Sorry, guys. Oh, let me just break real quick. Lust is a problem for me. Anyways, um, muscle of man on TikTok. Who I will fall asleep just like <laughs> looking at his elbows turns me on. I'm like he's so sexy. I think any man who is so and he talks about you know the Quran and like his beliefs and how his life has to everything else falls behind his his uh, uh, belief in Allah and or it's not the thing is with Muslims it's not even about belief in Allah it's about being the most um honest practicing, disciplined uh, uh Muslim that you can be. It's so much less about faith, like in Christianity, and more about actions in the Muslim culture right. Which, I mean, discipline. At, at the end at the yeah. end of the day, both of them are. But that's why you see so many Christians be kind of like Ligero, like lukewarmish, and I, I hate to say that I don't use that lightly, but it just it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas with with Muslims, and I'm sure there are lukewarm. There are Muslims. a lot of them, and I'm sure of it. Yes, it's, yeah. yes. What I'm saying is, it's a lot harder to fake. You can't fake the funk with Muslims. Like if you're not praying, if you're not, you know, I'm doing Ramadan. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like but it, there's
1: a lot of Muslims, like same with Christians, that are same. non no practicantes, like non. Like okay. believers,
0: but not practical. All right, here's what I'm trying to say. You're right, but even the ones that don't practice, they still have this certain this cadence with which they talk about Allah that I don't see non practicing Christians have. Mm. And maybe that's me generalizing for the sake of time. That's interesting. Okay, maybe I've just been looking at this dude's TikTok for way too long. <laughs> because you're you know what? You're absolutely right. I just okay. think that spiritual men are so attractive to me. Like men who um Or maybe remove attraction. No, let's keep attraction. It's like something that is enticing to me is a man who values that internal knowledge. I
1: understand that because I am non-religious, but I can can admire a little bit um, people in general that are so deep into their faith or their religion or whatever. Because it's like... Wow. It, and especially in these times nowadays, like,
0: it's not easy, you know? Uh, To find a man who practices awareness on a relatively, like, frequent basis, yeah, that's really hard. Yeah. Especially with social media where people are just, like, really capping or, like... And- like... Nowadays, it's it's like very easy. I don't know. Here's the thing, though. I will say, I think with the advent of, you know, Bible stories with Brianda and other shows and other forms of music, um, even Donda, Kanye West's latest album, there was... A lot, it's a really a gospel y kind of album. You know that he's very mm. Christian nowadays. I don't know if he's just using it. I hope he's not. I don't believe that he is. But like, I feel like there is kind of like a spiritual renaissance happening. We don't have to talk about that now because I don't want to bore people. But I do feel like there's something happening now where I'm seeing the new generation realize that, oh crap, a purposeful life has more to
1: do than what I make a year. That's very interesting that you say that. Do you feel like there it has been a wave of um, like falling apart from faith, and now it's like coming back?
0: Um, I don't think it ever left.
1: No, 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 not left. But like a wave of more people like just falling off.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing that happens with depression. Uh, I I, there's a rise. There's an Ev- the evidence is clear. Suicide rates are at a high. I feel bad for my my brothers, my men. It's the, it's highest in, among men, right? So I'm just trying to uh, attribute, uh, not attribute. I'm trying to use all the re- the data that I have. It's like our awareness of mental health issues has only been amplified, and yet the suicide rates are only increasing. So in my head, I'm like, huh, what's happening here? That means that a lot of, that means that mortality conscious, I'm just saying, if you're manically depressed or even have a a hair of severe, you know, clinical depression, which is, I'm assuming is on the rise now, especially among youth, you have had some kind of more thoughts of mortality. Last week, we were talking about intrusive thoughts. Hmm. You know, um, I think that when you face your own mortality, you're bound to... uh, conjure up questions to yourself that are much bigger than what we see every day, mm-hmm. what we earn. Even our mom, dad, it's much bigger than that. It's like, what are you going to think about before you pass away? Like what, it's like, for lack of a better word, I don't think that people acknowledge it. That that's what it is. But in my head, when I'm practicing med- meditation or even pray- praying, I'm trying to prepare myself for the last moments of my life. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, how no, can no. I make it the most easeful? Mm. You know, I get anxiety if I have an audition. You think I'm not going to have anxiety before death? Well, come on. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying you to make... You may not what, know that you're dying. You just dying. Even, suddenly. Even, even, but here's the thing. Even if you die abruptly in an instant, the, the second before, the whatever, I've, even if you're not acknowledging it, how can I make that the most okay. easeful? So I feel like, so to answer back your question, I think that now that we are so much more aware of... Are like, um, human anatomy, human consciousness as a whole. I think that's inviting more curiosities about theology and Christianity and Islam Mm. and Judaism and Buddhism, uh, which a bunch of rich white moms in Park Slope, Brooklyn love to take on with their $5,000 baby strollers. Mm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Very very Buddhist. Yeah, they're shaking. You know, I just like started reading this like new. Like my yoga instructor gave me this like coffee table like Buddhist. Like I feel like that's what I want to do now. You know, like they can't even frown their eyebrow because their Botox is so like they do Botox every other month. Anyways, anyways. Um. So yeah, I, I that that was like that's a good question. But I think that it's it's kind of attributed to this other kind of awareness that we're building up. Are people do people find this interesting? Like I would find this interesting. But I'm wondering, like, do people find this interesting? I mean. Do we sound like old people? Like, do we sound like, the, do the I kids want to hear this? I know. I know you're right. We're still figuring it out. And now, guys, let's dive into this week's story. Today, we're talking all about Solomon's reign. But before we get to that, let's just recap some information. Today's episode comes from the book of First Kings, if you are reading the Bible, uh, adjacent to, or uh, if you are accompanying your Bible stories episodes with reading, you'll see that there's also Second Kings, much like First and Second Samuel, much like any other book in the Bible. If you see First and Second, it started off as one whole unified story, but because of the scrolls that they were written in, they couldn't store them that way, so they split them up. First Kings, Second Kings, and First Kings uh, specifically—well, uh, Kings was written by Prophet Jeremiah. So we just went from uh, Second Samuel, which was written by Prophet Nathan and Prophet Gad, to now First Kings, written by Prophet Jeremiah. And today, specifically, we're going to target chapters one to four of the book of First Kings and we start off with David, but David is now at his very old age. Hmm. David is like Hugh Hefner without the playmates or with the playmates. You know what? Let's dive into some scripture for some context as to what that means, okay? So 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, right at the top. Now King David was old and advanced in years, and although they covered him with clothes, he could not get warm. Therefore his servants said to him, let a young woman be sought for my lord the king and let her wait on the king and be in his service. Let her lie in your arms that my lord the king may be warm. Let me break up this scripture for the people that are like, wait a second. Is is David's old ass about to get freaky in bed right now? No, okay. First of all, David was so sick as an older man, he literally was having trouble staying warm. You guys, at this time, they did not have heated weighted blankets, okay? So someone thought of, oh, let's get him a beautiful woman to just lay there in bed with him. But okay, I know where your mind is going, okay? Let me hop back into scripture. All right, uh, chapter one, verse three. Uh, So they sought for a beautiful young woman throughout all the territory of Israel and found Abishag, the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very beautiful, and she was of service to the king and attended to him. But the king knew her not. What does that mean, Bible listeners, my Bible babes? He didn't touch her. Thank you very much, Mama Bear. Yes, that's exactly it. He knew her not. They made it a point to say this was solely for him to stay warm. Okay? Yeah. Funny
1: enough, they still brought a beautiful woman, though. Like, if well, you, you want a what? warm, big, Dave- fat person, that's what keeps you warm.
0: Let like, me tell you something. David was also David. Yeah. Okay? We can, He he, he could change, but... Uh-huh. Okay. Hi, Tanji. If you were a creep when you were younger, you're going to still be a little shallow later. Okay? Mm-hmm. They know they can't get it like they used to. They can hardly get it up. I don't know. <laughs> their balls are hanging to their ankles. We can't. What? They know what it's about. Like, so anyways, yeah. And also, who knows? Maybe they put that part of it to show growth. Like he wasn't a complete and utter perv or something. Who knows? I And don't also know. probably the people that brought the women
1: to him was probably their servants. So they already know their preferences. That's Oh, why, you're right. That's why like, they've just...
0: Anyway, carry on. Maybe. Okay. So now that we have that, uh, you know, out of the way, we got that. David is really old. David is really sick. And he's being taken care of by a young, beautiful woman named Abishag. Okay? Now, we know that we left off from 2 Samuel that Absalom, David's son, has just died Mm -hmm. after a failed attempt at trying to take over the kingdom. Now, the next sibling in line after Absalom was Adonijah. I know the names, guys. But this is actually his name, Adonijah. I I don't have trouble saying that one, believe it or not. Um, So the next son in line would have been Adonijah. And uh, per, by the way, you guys, high tangy, not high tangy. This episode, I find, is going to require a lot of contextual backing. So I'm going to be reading from the scripture quite often, which honestly, I prefer. Who cares what I have to say? Let's hear what the Bible has to say. Okay. So at this point, Adonijah knows that he's up next. So he's like, dad's about to kick the bucket. Let me start, you know, prepping the people, right? Let's hop into scripture. First Mm -hmm. Kings chapter one, verses five to 10, I'll bounce around. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith exalted himself saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. His father had never, at any time, displeased him by saying, "Why have you done thus and so?" He was also a very handsome man. And Donald they always gotta talk about that, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was born next after Absalom. Absalom. He conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah. We already know who Joab is, right? Blah 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 blah. Um, but Zadok, the priest of Benai, the son of Jehoiada. And Nathan, <laughs> the prophet, and Shimmai and Ray and David's Almighty, yada yada, yada 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 yada. Basically, I'm gonna sum this up for you guys because I know you guys are clocking out. Adonijah basically tells some people, but he doesn't tell Nathan. He doesn't tell Bathsheba, <gasps> who is Solomon's mother. Mm-hmm. He doesn't tell the people who are opposed to him being king, but he brings everyone else to to congregate around appointing himself king. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't invite the people who would have an issue with it. Mm and also Joab doesn't have issue with this Joab who was David's right-hand man for a minute who was a little saucy with David if we remember he he's okay with Adonijah, Adonijah being king okay right so Nathan later tells Bathsheba he goes Bathsheba have you heard about what's happening Adonijah wants to be the next king you and I both know what the Lord Revealed to David, and it was that Solomon was going to be next in line to be king of the of Israel. And by the way, Solomon was a kid. Solomon was super young at the time. So it seemed kind of crazy that Solomon would be next in line. But listen, if the Lord said it was was gonna happen, the Lord said it was gonna happen. Okay. So Nathan devises a plan with Bathsheba and he says, Listen, I have a plan. Why don't you go into David's chambers and tell him, hey, like, don't you remember Solomon was supposed to be king? You know, David's old right now. So we have to jog his memory, right? Mm-hmm. And and then Nathan says, and then when you go and warn David, I'll go in right after you and like really double down on that. Yo, Solomon's got to be in there, it kind of reminds me of like when you're talking to someone who's going to be sensitive, or like uh, um, um, what's it called when uh, you give it to a- addicts? Um, an intervention. Nathan kind of like says, "Okay, he's about to die, but let's do this gently, right?" So uh, let's go to scripture. Scripture, First Kings, chapter one, verses fifteen to twenty-one. I'm going to bounce around. So Bathsheba went to the king in his chamber. Now, the king was very old, and Abishag, the Shemite, was attending to the king. Hi, Tangie. Like, could you imagine being the wife, seeing a young woman in bed with my husband? (sighs) Mm, Honestly, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care. Mm. Would you care? Are you jealous?
1: I'm not jealous. I wouldn't say I'm jealous. Like, I'm not the crazy jealous type, but I would (laughs) definitely not want a woman in bed with my husband. I
0: don't think that's being jealous. I'm just, I don't... There was something that I found out. Hi, Tanji. Sorry, guys. Um, Something that's called not voyeurism when you like seeing your partner be with other people, but it's like a very, como que, um, everyone saw them go viral. Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain on the red carpet. Oh, the, the, yeah. 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 Where like they're actors and they were like, oh, I wouldn't mind that. Like their partners were both on the red carpet seeing that. I feel like I would be like, you go boo. You go boo. I would definitely not be okay with that. Oh, I would. Definitely not. Listen, if my husband is hot, as long as you come back home to me every time, what's, what's, flirty? what's a little flirtation? What's a little... What's life? Mm-hmm. Like, what? You think it's 50... Oh, okay, whatever. Let me go back to the scripture. Go back to story. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, verse 16 following. Bathsheba bowed and paid homage to the king. And the king said, what do you desire? She said to him, my lord, you swore to your servant by the lord your god, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit in my throne. And now behold, Adonijah is king, although you, my lord the king, do not know it. And now, my lord, the king, the eyes of Israel are on you to tell them who shall sit on the throne. Otherwise, it will come to pass when my lord the king sleeps with his fathers and I, my son Solomon, will be counted offenders. She's basically telling him, if you don't do something right now, Adonijah is going to be king and then he's going to kill me and Solomon. Hmm. So this is like, even outside of what the Lord said, we're in danger here, hmm. right? So then Nathan knows that it's his turn. It's like they had it queued up. Bite. And then we will die, David! And Nathan goes, ooh, that's me. Okay, let me come in, right? <laughs> my turn, my turn. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 22. Uh, 22 through 24. Maybe I'll just start with 24, guys, because this is a long episode. And Nathan said, my lord, the king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down this day and has sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep in abundance. Adonijah is sacrificing. what That's what kings do when they're about to do something major. So Nathan is telling David, hey, he's sacrificing people. He's doing stuff. Uh, sacrificing animals. Uh, la, 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 la. Verse 26. But me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benai the son of Jehoi- Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon, he is not invited. Has this thing been brought about by my lord the king? And you have not told your servants who should sit on the throne of my lord and king after him. So right now, Nathan is saying, unless this is up, to, unless you devise this, unless there's something you're not telling me. Okay. Hmm. And David responded. Hey! No, no. The Lord said Solomon was the next king. Period. Scripture, 1 Kings, chapter one, verses thirty-two to thirty-four. King David said, "Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benah the son of Jehoiada." So they came before the king, and the king said to them, "Take with you the servants of your lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon, and let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet." Anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, long live the king Solomon. David says, "Ah, ah, ah, ah. I didn't know that this was going on. I'm dying here. Sorry, guys. We are about to anoint Solomon and we're about to blow the trumpets, Mm y'all. So get this. While Adonijah is having his whole ordeal, having everyone be like, bring me my fur. I'm about to be king. All of a sudden, everyone, including Joab, who's sitting there. They hear the trumpets playing, which can only mean one thing. Someone has been appointed already. Exactly. And at this point, unlike, you know, Absalom and other people in the past who tried to, you know, acquire a kingdom or power, Adonijah ain't dumb, right? At this point, we have historical evidence of what happens when people do that. Mm -hmm. Especially when people go against David, they end up dying because they know that the Lord is behind this, not just David. Mm-hmm. So once Adonijah hears that, he goes, well, guys, my time here is done. I guess that's it. Catch you later. <laughs> my name has been Adonijah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, no, man, like I'm actually kind of like scared right now. Never mind. Like, well, the trumpets are out. It's actually true. Like Solomon is going to be the next king and it's not because I want it. It's not because David wanted it. It's because it's what the Lord has wanted. Kapish, mm-hmm. We know that Solomon was still a young man. He was about to be like one of the youngest kings at this point, you know? So of course, David, much like, you know, Moses before him, Joshua before him, before these, you know, um, uh, forefathers of Israel go to die, they typically leave, you know, um, almost a monologue on, you know, what the next generation is to new, to do next you know sharing their sage wisdom onto their children and then the descendants after them etc cetera, etc cetera. and at this point david tells his son solomon look you got a lot of work to do here this is a huge responsibility you have to make sure to follow the mosaic laws Make sure to follow the Torah, and before anything else, make sure to listen to the Lord and uh, rely on your wisdom. And it all, and I don't know if you guys listen, if you guys want to read yourselves in First Kings chapter 2, but it sounds so beautiful, you know, what a father telling his son, you know, go off and be great. And then all of a sudden the conversation takes a turn, and I'm like, does David have have Alzheimer's? Because what is going on here? All of a sudden, David starts talking about his enemies and wanting to kill them. <laughs> like, what? yeah, no, no. The conversation takes a turn. All of a sudden, David starts talking about the people that he couldn't kill, like because he made promises to them that he wouldn't kill. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you can't kill them. I don't know if you guys remember Shammai. The guy who was throwing stones and cursing him, mm-hmm. he mentions to him, he goes, oh yeah, and that's Shemai guy. I haven't forgotten about that, even though I part... Hey, and Joab, remember Joab, his right-hand man, who ended up mm-hmm. killing Absalom, which actually David doesn't know he killed him, but David does know that when David was mourning his son's death, Joab said, get over it. He tried to kill you. Get over it. Mm. I get that he hit before. Mm. David never forgot about that. ding, ding. You know, so at this point, David is basically telling his son, I couldn't kill him, but that don't mean you don't have to kill him. Avenge me, almost, encouraging him to avenge him. How are you going to tell a kid that? You know he's going to go and do that. Mm-hmm. And he goes and does that, okay? So, David dies with murder on his heart. And that kind of like, I don't know. It, okay high tangy, not high tangy, but the fact that such a, like, an important figure in the Old Testament ends up going out on such a negative note, I had to stop myself. And I had to stop myself from thinking about David. Like, I had to think, oh my God, wait, I had to remove myself. This isn't about David, Brianda. Stop trying to intellectualize. Remember me, what I told you before, I have to constantly, there are checks and balances that I provide for myself, You know, I was an atheist for too long, right? Mm. But I had to literally stop myself and think, wait a second, Brie, don't try and figure out David. You should be trying to figure out God here. Pin in that. So at this point, David has now died and um, Solomon, you know, is there with his father when he passes and whatever, but at this point, We have now started Solomon's reign. And let me tell you, he uh, hits the ground running because the first thing that Solomon does is right some wrongs. Let me not jump the gun here, okay? Before we talk about Solomon bodying people, let's discuss what happened to Adonijah after David dies. Like I said before, Adonijah kept it kosher. He was like, listen, I don't want any beef here. Solomon is the king and I don't want to, you know, overstep my, my boundaries here. And Solomon says to Adonijah, listen, as long as you don't do anything that is too out of turn, you're fine in my book. Just kind of like healthy distance kind of. But like you're my brother or my half brother, fine. You know what I'm saying? So Adonijah knows this. Adonijah goes to Bathsheba, who knows that King Solomon would listen to, they have a close relationship with his mother, right? Mm-hmm. So Adonijah asks humbly to Bathsheba, Bathsheba, you know, I, I was just wondering, I, I don't I don't want to be the person to ask, you know, It'll be a little aw- awkward, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I wouldn't. <laughs> so he goes, Bathsheba, do you mind asking the king if, Maybe I could have Abishag as my wife. Do you remember that woman? Mm. The woman that was laying with David, keeping him warm? The beautiful woman. The beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. He goes, hey, is there any way that, like, I could take her as my wife? She was so, she's so great. Maybe they, like, it. the Bible doesn't say, but, you know, maybe they have their own little rendezvous. Maybe he really loves her. Maybe she loves him. Who knows? Mm. But Bathsheba goes, no. Yo no veo nada mal con eso. Yeah. Why don't we do that? That's fine. Let me go talk to Solomon about it. Fine. So Bathsheba goes, okay, listen. Listen, babes. Listen, Solly. Listen, Solomon. Your brother wants to see if maybe he could have Abishag, your one of your father's, like, one of the, the last woman's, like, uh, we wouldn't say concubine, but the woman that laid with him during his last days. Solomon hears this, and he flips a... Uh, he goes crazy. He goes, he wants to sleep with one of my father's concubines. What do we know about that? Anytime someone tries to sleep with the concubines of a king or a previous king, that means they're up to no good. Boom. Mm. Solomon calls for his brother's death. Oh <gasps> Yep. Oh no, I liked Solomon. I thought he was good. Oh, honey. Oh, erase that. Erase that. If you thought David was bad, Solomon's worse. Stop it. Okay, I don't know who's worse, but they're both not great. Sorry, I don't want to. That's spoil the only it. one
1: I knew about. So I thought, like, you know. I mean,
0: I don't want to spoil it, it for anybody. He was the wise one,
1: so wisdom usually. I don't
0: know. Hey, now you can be wise, and you can be a uh, uh, mujeriego. You can be a. Uh, you can be a certified lover boy. <laughs> drake okay because that's exactly what Solomon solomon was a certified le- if solomon was around in 2021 he would be going to the club with future and david <laughs> Oh no, and david and drake i mean but and his drake. dad was probably there too and david <laughs> okay but anyways um uh, king solomon has his brother adonijah killed wow that's Over the first but- yep already that's one of the first things i'm telling you he hits the ground running wow that's the first body he has the second body he has is Joab. So when the news came to Joab that David began, um, uh, Solomon began demoting people, you know, now that Solomon is king, he's moving people around, like shifting things. He's demoting people that used to be, especially after the Adonijah drama. He's like, oh no, I got to, I got to move some things around. Joab hears about this. And let's go to a scripture, scripture, uh, chapter two, verse 35. The king put Benah, the son of Jehoiada, over the army in place of Joab. And the king put Zadok, the priest, in place of Abiathar, which are very important figures that were there before, but Solomon moved them around. So Joab hears of this, ends up escaping, fleeing, you know, whatever have you. Solomon ends up, bodying Joab, too. But remember, Solomon is kind of avenging his father, David. Yeah, I was going to say, his father asked, kind of asked for it, so. I mean, did he ask for it or did he not ask for it? David said, "David said, I can't do it, but son, maybe you can. Anyways, he did it. So Inclusion. he avenges his father, kills Joab, too. Wow. And the last person, the last person that he kills, I thought this was a little excessive, and it was Shammai. The guy who was cursing King David when King David was fleeing when his son Absalom was uh, about to kill him, the guy who curses him, you know, David pardons him in Second Samuel, and he says, "I won't kill you." David says to Shimei, "My son will." They have a exactly. They had like a little deal going on, and Solomon had a deal with him too, and it was like, "Listen, as long as you work for me, you're my servant, but you cannot leave Jerusalem." Hmm. whatever you do, you got to stay in Jerusalem. That's our only deal. And Solomon says, if you step foot outside of Jerusalem, you're as good as dead. Wow. And Shammai stood by that for many years. He was still, he was working under Solomon and everything. But here's the thing. Shammai had servants and all of a sudden these servants go to a, a, another town. I think they went to Gath or something. And Shemai gets nervous. He goes, oh my God. Maybe Solomon will think that I sent them or something. Oh my God. No, 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 no. So Shammai doesn't, he literally just steps out of Jerusalem for like a minute, a hot second to grab his servants and bring them back. By the time he comes back to Jerusalem, it's too late. Solomon hears that Shammai stepped foot outside of Solomon, outside of Jerusalem and Shammai was only going to grab his servants to get him to come back. But he... F- and even then, Solomon... But he did. ...bodies, kills Shammai. I mean, the instructions were very clear. They were very clear. And, and also, I think that maybe this has something to do with a little bit of him avenging his father, but also wanting to be taken seriously as a king. I was
1: going to say that. Do you feel that, like, when a young king... Because I see that throughout history. Like, young kings, is like, they have to prove themselves. Like, now you're going to respect me. Like, the the, the, the times oh, yeah. of my dad is over. So now they all start super strong and super like, ah, here I am.
0: But then they just relax for a time I, become a wiser person. Listen, mm-hmm. I absolutely think that that is the case. And the Bible intentionally puts things in a certain order because... We hear about these things before we hear about the, the famous prayer that Solomon gives to, to the Lord. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that there's, uh, it comes with maturity. Mm. There, when you want to start, you know, um, waving that sword around, like, almost aimlessly, that happens with immaturity. You have a little bit more tact when you have more age and experience. Maybe that had something to do with why David didn't handle his own situations himself. And insecurity, maybe, too. Like... Here I am now, whatever my dad did or did not, now, now you're going to listen to me. Very, very true. Exactly. Like, And I think that was, that was the case for Solomon, especially in the beginning of his reign. So, like we know, one of Solomon's, obviously, plans was to fulfill the things that his father couldn't, like building a home. Remember when David wanted to build the Lord a home, but the Lord said no? Mm-hmm. In that same verse, the Lord said, your son will do that. Oh, shoot. Yeah, because the Lord has already seen what's happening. This is of the Lord's plan, you know? So Solomon does just that. He begins building a temple for the Lord. This hasn't been done since the tabernacle. And, you know, they go into detail about, you know, uh, the building process, especially a little bit later in Kings but we know that Solomon is now building a new home for the Lord. But during this time, we also start to see some, of, some more of Solomon's flaws poking out. Listen, the apple does not fall far from the tree because Solomon is also a Casanova ladies' man. Women are Solomon's weakness, just like his father because he ends up marrying a bunch of foreign women, a bunch of women from other areas. And by the way, this is not a part of the covenant law, okay? In fact, Solomon, uh, we see in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3, Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. You guys, are you guys not triggered by this? (laughs) The Israelites were prisoners, slaves to Egypt. And here we have Solomon being chummy with Egypt. What? He marries this woman for political gain, which high tangy, not high tangy, That must mean that you must not have faith in the Lord. That's a blind spot. Mm. Why are you trying to do, make political moves uh, that were not uh, authorized by the Lord? I would say,
1: like, every time I question something, it's, um, oh, that's, the man ain't perfect, right? So hmm That's the flaw as a human being. But I don't understand. I was thinking about this earlier and like this is gonna get so long because we keep like. It's okay, time, what how, but, how what we need? Like, um eat? I was thinking uh, it's not fair. It's not fair because a lot of these people that are big figures in the Bible and like kings and they had be kings and this and this and that, they have so many flaws. I was like, oh yeah, but they have to do like they have to be like that because you know it's like human nature and this and this and that. But like, what about all these other people that do make a very big effort to be good civilians or good people, have a a, a good soul, have live by their faith and 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 stick to what the Bible says? But yet, yeah, probably in that time we're struggling through poverty and and disease and and whatever. I don't think it's fair. And I know
0: life's not fair, but you know. uh I won't even I mean I the the easy answer would be yeah, life isn't fair. Life isn't a fairy tale either. But I don't want my my like, you know, exaggeration and the acting and the wigs and the outfits and whatever to take away from the fact that these incredibly uh imperfect figureheads in the Bible also always come back to the Lord. And I think the example is less on what they do and more them coming back to the Lord. Mm. The journey coming back to the Lord. Mm. And it's kind of like what I was saying before when I was like really kind of upset with David's last words, Mm -hmm. how he started being like a bitter old man. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, wait, 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 wait it's not even about trying to psychoanalyze these characters. It's about figuring out what the Lord is doing here and where the Lord is in place, even though the word is not there, even though he is there. Let me try and figure out that. Let me put my focus on that. Mm. And it ends up changing. That's where the knowledge is. That's how you allow God to speak in the story. Removing that kind of need and desire to figure out, why are these people keep failing? Why... Do we do, do we do that while we're consciously living life and making mistakes and doing what in no, I've never met a perfect human. There was only one perfect human for me. And again, that's my religion coming on. His name is Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm going to try and make this a little more clinical. The reason why Jesus Christ is the only perfection, perfect man is because he is our ideal even if you look at Jesus Christ as um, outside of the body, outside of the, of outside of the who Her he was. Son, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if I have something, an ideal to look up to, an ideal to call home, an ideal to call God, which is the son as well, I have direction. And it's not me. So you're telling me he did
1: not make a single mistake his whole no. life? Nope. Not a
0: single tiny little lie? Nope. No. Because Jesus Christ was the son of God who had his... So in the... Oh, I can't wait till we get to the New Testament. Okay, there. But I'll tell you right now, just to put a pin in that. We see Jesus have moments of doubt of a human because hmm. the Lord shows up as a human, meaning he had the brain of a human, the consciousness of a human, the flesh of a human. You hear Jesus cry and you see, oh, it brings chills. So I'm not trying to make it seem like he's, he's the, um, the, uh, uh, uh supernatural man. He is still man, but he's our ideal because despite being man, He never veered from that same thing you're talking about. Why isn't that person in the Bible? Why is it? It is, and it's in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Again, if you're Jewish, if you're a Muslim, you're going to have a different idea. I can only speak from my lived experience and my truth claim, which I believe. Mm -hmm. And that is who uh, Jesus Christ, the Son, represents in the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The mind, body, consciousness. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And guys, this is not a high tangy, even though it may sound like it. But one of the reasons why I love having Clara in the room is because sometimes she poses questions. Uh, she doesn't even know she's doing it, but they, they just time in perfectly with where I'm going in the story, which is so great to hear someone who is so new to the Bible ask questions that she doesn't know I'm about to address in a moment, much like the one right now. So we've just heard, you know, Solomon has been a less than stellar king with, you know, countless murders off the jump and marrying foreign women, being in cahoots with enemy territory for political gain, doubting the Lord. Despite all of this, the Lord still has favor on Solomon. Solomon. During this time, Solomon even begins sacrificing animals and things to other gods. You guys, I mean, that's a tough one. That one's tough, to sacrifice animals in the names of other gods. I mean, that's what happens when you start hanging out with certain people. You start doing the same thing. You start doing the same drugs, Mm. right? And that's kind of what was happening with Solomon. And you know what God does? God sees Solomon and he's trying to find answers in other things and other gods and other idols. And God still approaches Solomon like, bruh, what more do you want? Let's, have, let's dive into scripture for more context. First uh, Kings chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, "'You have shown great and steadfast love "'to your servant David, my father, "'because he walked before you in faithfulness, "'in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. "'And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love "'and have given him a son to sit on his throne to this day. "'Oh now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king "'in place of David, my father, "'although I am but a little child.'" I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted by multitude. Solomon then later tells the Lord, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? So God asks Solomon, what is it that you want? What is it that you keep searching for? Because I see that you're not looking for me. You're not searching for me. You haven't prayed to me in a minute. What is it that you want? And Solomon asks for more understanding of people. He could have asked to be rich. He could have asked for more wins. And he asks for wisdom. That's deep. And I didn't realize this until right this second that I'm saying this, but like, again, outside of Solomon, the fact that our father comes to his home where all this disrespectful stuff is happening in front of his face and he has the patience to say, what is it that you want, son? What is it that I'm not giving you? let me know what is it that I'm not giving you. What can I show you now to have you look at me? The mercy that God gives to us every freaking day. God, I'm sorry I used that word, but like, anywho, the Lord is so overjoyed in this. It kind of like makes the Lord feel kind of good. Like, oh, this guy's a little rascal, but there's still something in there good. There's something there worth guiding. There's that heart. He asks for more wisdom and the Lord is pleased. Uh, the Lord says exactly, uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, verses uh, 11 to 13. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise like you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And he made, he made Solomon the wisest king that ever was, the wisest of the patriarchs, the wisest of the forefathers. You know, the, uh, we're almost done. We're getting to the moral of the story, guys. But the Bible is divided in different ways. You've got the patriarchal stage, which is the, his, the, the history, you know, Adam and Eve, Abraham, the, the skeleton with which we believe in, right? Uh, you've got the laws. Leviticus, Deuteronomy Numbers, you've got the historical, and then you've got the wisdom books, all authored or majority authored by Solomon. Mm. I like wisdom. Me too. The book I want you to read is authored by Solomon, Ecclesiastes. I always tell you to read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Mm. You got to send me the link. I I
1: don't even know how to find it, to be honest.
0: Girl, it's called the Bible app download the bible app right now. You guys, tell harass Clara to download the bible app right now. Do it. Anyways, the, Solomon authors these books that have to come from a place. And I guess this is a, um this is a great place to kind of leave off uh because I know that this episode is a tribute episode to the late, I can't even believe I'm saying this, Michael K Williams. Like there are some people who are anointed. And I don't talk about kings. There are people who are enlightened. There are people who get it. There are people who are gifted in this way. These people may be flawed. These people may get ugly. These people may have addictions. These people are may have, you know, um, physiological and biological setbacks. Life is stacked against them, Right? And that doesn't matter because once that knowledge chooses you, once that inspiration chooses you, people see it. People love it and people respect it. And that's exactly what Michael did with his work and his art and his storytelling. He was a storyteller, one of the best storytellers. Just like my, um, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Robert Williams, Anthony Bourdain, some of the best storytellers of all time. We lost too soon and... Um, they were some of the wisest storytellers ever. Anyways, so I'm sad. Let's get into moral of the story. Moral of the story is, it isn't about us. It isn't about David. It isn't about Solomon. It's about becoming aware that God is the sovereign power behind all of this. And he is very much here. He's everywhere. Purpose is directly connected to God, but the only way we understand that sacred knowledge is by familiarizing ourselves with him, getting to know him. You know, it makes me feel so good to know that you know, despite David seeming like a bitter old man in the end, wishing death on his enemies on his last days, God still had mercy on him and still used him as an instrument. David is considered one of the forefathers of faith. And that's got to count for something that isn't accidental. Look at God's boundless mercy on us. It's not about how perfect we are or how sinless we are, it's about how generously his grace covers us no matter what our imperfections as people are. Okay? Ooh. hey father how'd i do wait what oh, hold on he loves you discount rate doja cat wait what I... oh, father you are spicy that was not very nice cow, bitch, I'm I